Welcome to the Fear and Greed Daily Interview. I'm Sean Aylmer. Start of a new financial year and the end of a pretty turbulent one for equity investors. I wanted to have a look at some of the sectors that did well, the ones that didn't, and the companies that really stood out. Remember, this is general information only, and you should seek professional advice before making investment decisions. Roger Montgomery is the founder and chief investment officer of Montgomery Investment Management. Roger, welcome back to Fear and Greed. Great to be with you. Okay. End of fiscal year 23. What will it be remembered for? What was the standout, good or bad, over the past 12 months? Well, I have to say, you know, up until or for the first half of the year, the compression in PE ratios for small companies or the continuation of that really was a big deal. We saw small caps particularly, but large caps as well. We saw their PE ratios compressed, and that was a function of fear around recession and the combination or the potential for the combination of recession with persistent inflation, which of course would mean higher for longer interest rates. And that superficially is seen as a disaster for equities, particularly growth equities. And then in the second half of the financial year, so year to date or calendar year to date, what we saw was a reversal of that only for a select number of stocks. And so we saw, for example, the S&P 500 up about 15%, and we saw the NASDAQ up about 21% or thereabouts. But what we actually, when you drill down or dig a bit deeper, what you discover uh, is that it was really led by just seven mega cap companies. And you all know the names, uh, Alphabet, Amazon, Apple, Microsoft, NVIDIA's in there as well. And those sorts of businesses, if you remove them from the major global indices, particularly the S&P 500 and the Miski World Index, then what you find is the rest of the market pretty much went sideways. So we saw that PE compression last year and then not much else after that. And I think that's a, you know, a fairly reasonable description um, of how, the market, how markets traded over the last 12 months. Was it a typical year? I mean, I want to get into looking forward, what we should expect, but it just seemed the last year or so post-COVID, it was a probably a difficult year to be an investor. Oh, definitely. And uh, and that's because, you know, the, the, the normal things that we expect to see is we expect to see share prices follow maybe over longer than 12 months, but we expect them to follow earnings performance of businesses. And what we saw is businesses with you know, some of the very best earnings potential and businesses that were growing their earnings, we saw them uh, hammered just as hard as companies that were, you know, maybe class in the profitless prosperity category, you know, they weren't <laughs> making any money at all. So it was an atypical year from that perspective. And remember, there's the the ongoing thematics, for example, the uh, decarbonisation thematic uh, still played its part, uh, stocks that benefit uh, from decarbonisation or the EV movement, for example, and lithium batteries, they, through various times in the year, did well and then did not so well when their share prices perhaps got ahead of expectations or ahead of what was realistic. So where we sit today, given that you had some compression of P ratios in the first half, then sideways trading, if you exclude some of those really big stocks, you mentioned small caps as well, having been hit harder looking forward does that suggest that small caps i mean there are opportunities in small caps what what do you think i think so i'm convinced and i'm putting my money where my mouth is i'm convinced that small cap companies both domestic small caps and global small caps 
if not over the next six months, then over the next 12 months, perhaps, should do very, very well. And the reason I say that, there's a few reasons for that. Number one, you know, let me just point out that the Future Fund uh, has recently, Australia's Future Fund, has recently, I guess, set the tone by making relatively large investment in small cap managers in Australia. So that's the first thing. I think, you know, they're, they're noticing the, the PE compression and they're investing in an area that they haven't been big investors in before, then that says something. The other thing is valuation. You know, small cap funds have underperformed. Uh, and if that underperformance is due to undervaluation, which I think it is because of that PE compression that we talked about, then, you know, the temporary headwinds through sentiment that small caps are, are experiencing will ultimately be reversed. So while they're out of favour at the moment, both relatively and perhaps absolutely, I think that sentiment will eventually change. And when it does, unfortunately for investors who take their time about participating, you know, they tend to recover very, very quickly. We also know that historically stocks tend to revert to the mean, depending on, it doesn't really matter what valuation metric you use. So if you're investing in high quality but underperforming small cap funds at the moment, then you could actually get a really significant boost when prices mean revert. And then, of course, you've got the benefit in small caps of long runways for growth. You know, there are a lot of companies in Australia that we talk about regularly, the Harvey Normans of the world, JB Hi-Fi's, Woolworths, West Farmers, and so on. We talk about all these businesses, but they are mature businesses. In the small cap space, you find a lot of businesses with runways of 10, 15, 20% growth for many, many years ahead. And that's all being ignored at the moment. And then you've got market inefficiencies as well. So, you know, we just know that sell-side analysts don't cover small caps to the same extent as the large caps. The revenue benefit for them isn't there. Uh, and so that that lack of coverage means that investors can find stuff that hasn't been discovered by the rest of the market. So I think, you know, there's that non, and, and, and diversification as well. There's lots of fundamentally sound reasons to be investing in small caps. And because of that PE compression that we experienced and that hasn't really reversed yet because there's still fears of a recession, that you know, small caps are, are relatively cheap. And can I just add one other thing? The maths, the maths of investing is really simple. And we've talked about this before here on your program. If you buy and sell a stock on the same PE ratio, your return over a period of years is going to equal the earnings per share growth rate of that particular company. So if it's if it's growing its earnings at 15% per annum and you buy it on a PE of 20, and you sell it on a PE of 20, you're going to earn 15% per annum. Um, so you know, that's what you want. You want to find businesses that can grow their earnings at double-digit rates over the next few years, irrespective of what the state of the economy is. And there are businesses that we think can do that. And those businesses are going to generate great returns for investors just because the maths is really simple. You're buying at compressed PEs. Even if you sell at compressed PEs in years to come, you'll get the earnings per share growth rate. Stay with me, Roger. We'll be back in a minute. My guest this morning is Roger Montgomery, founder and chief investment officer of Montgomery Investment Management. Okay, now we aren't an investment podcast and everyone should, of course, seek professional advice to suit their own circumstances. But Roger, I do have to ask you, what are you interested in? What, I mean, be it sectors or stock specific, what do you like? There's a lot. You know, in the small cap space, there are a lot of great businesses. One, for example, that's on the nose or that has been on the nose recently is ARB Corporation. I think I've talked to you about that 
particular company before, it designs and manufactures four by four accessories, aftermarket accessories. Yep. You know, they they started out the, the Brown brothers started that business in literally a, a shed in the backyard in a <laughs> in a, a house in Melbourne. And it's been going for decades now. They are considered, you know, some of the world's best aftermarket four-wheel drive parts and accessory manufacturer and suppliers. And that what they've done is they're expanding globally. So the reason why the share price has been depressed or they've been a bit on the nose is because there's a belief amongst a lot of analysts that demand for their product was pulled forward. Uh, and what I mean by that is through the pandemic, people bought stuff they might have yeah. spent, you know, they might have spent that money over the next two or three years. They spent it all at once, fitted out their four-wheel drives because they couldn't travel overseas. And that's brought forward a lot of the demand. And so there's an air pocket presumably, uh, that they're going to fall into and their sales are going to decline. But the reverse of that or the countering that is their growth overseas uh, and they're expanding into the United States. And what they've done is they've signed deals with Ford and with Toyota to provide OEM parts. So that's original uh, equipment manufacturing parts. So if you sit Mm. down with a dealer at a Ford dealership, for example, in the US, and you spec out the things that you want. You want foot rails and you want spotlights and you want a bull bar and all that sort of thing. You tick the specifications or the options list. They are ARB parts that are now being supplied to your new vehicle by Ford or by being attached by Ford to your vehicle. So that is an enormous market, much bigger than the Australian domestic market. It's only small relative to its Australian business, which is why I guess the company's share price is going to be sensitive to conditions in Australia, but in the long run, that business could easily swamp the Australian business. So that's just one example. Okay, we're running out of time. You have to give me another one though. Yeah, okay. So I think Breville's another one that's really interesting longer term. Uh, so I'm not suggesting anyone go out and buy these stocks, by the way, because we own them. Uh, so you're helping us if you rush out and buy them. They'll, you'll drive the share price up and that'll benefit us. We may end up selling the stock, so don't do that. You know, Go and seek personal professional advice first. Uh, but this is a business that's also benefiting from growth overseas. We take good coffee for granted in Australia. Uh, in the United States, the the idea of becoming a barista at home and having a coffee machine <laughs> and making great coffee at home is relatively new. Yeah. Uh, sure, it sure it exists on the east coast and the west coast, but the bulk of Americans, you know, they they're pretty used to pretty rubbish coffee. And so Breville is tapping into that trend, and I think that's going to be something that'll hold them in good stead over years to come. Roger, thank you for talking to Fear and Greed. Absolute pleasure. That was Roger Montgomery, founder and chief investment officer of Montgomery Investment Management. For more information, visit montinvest.com. That's M-O-N-T-I-N-V-E-S-T, montinvest.com. This is the Fear and Greed Daily Interview. Remember, this is general information only, and you should seek professional advice before making investment decisions. Join us every morning for the full episode of Fear and Greed, Australia's most popular business podcast. I'm Sean Aylmer. Enjoy your day.